0: Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another new episode
1: of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me is my co-host Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey, Alan, I'm doing good, man. You know, in some ways, from an episode review perspective, it feels like we've been gone quite a while, just like the Parks and Rec gang. You know, instead of three months, it's been maybe three weeks since the season two finale, but still.
0: Yeah, it does feel like, uh, you know, that gap uh, did at least create the sensation of having a little time off. So that was kind of nice and uh, really appreciative of uh, everyone for joining us back here as we kick off season three. Absolutely. Well, Mark, you know, speaking of season three, I'd say a couple of things and as far as and speaking of being back as well, um, am I right that Constantine's back in the office? Is that correct? He
1: is back and in full force. Is he uh, back from Yanni's as well? Or where did he go? Do know? He is. Ba- he, he's very secretive. Uh, I think he actually has his own fortress of solitude. I don't know what's involved with that. Uh, something something Kryptonian. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. yeah he's he is he is back and he is uh, he's ready for action. And as a matter of fact, I even enlisted his help. Uh, with some stuff I'm gonna do here in a little bit. So Well,
0: that's weird. I had him at my house today pulling some poison ivy out of the weeds. Well, you see, I should have had him do that too. <laughs> <laughs> Gone it. You'll learn, Mark. You'll learn. <laughs> Well, speaking of season three of Parks and Recreation, I think it's also worth noting, too, that you know we had a, we mentioned this as we were kind of headed out of season two. We had a full season, full order of episodes in season two, 24 episodes. Uh, obviously, season one we've talked about several times was that block of six. Well, this is a weird kind of length of, of, of episodes we've got here. We've got 16 episodes in yeah. season three. And, you know, I think the initial reason for that, well, a couple of things. They initially believed they were going to get a full season, as I understand it. Right. And, you know, they but they they knew that Amy was pregnant again and they were going to have to at least accommodate that. And what they did was they shot the first six episodes immediately after they wrapped season two. So they didn't go home like we did. They (laughs) shot those episodes. They put them in the can and they thought everything's going to be fine. They had them in advance. They had them in advance. And then they got the call apparently that. The geniuses at NBC, uh, you know, the same ones that create those crappy titles that we have to replace. That's right. Yep. Um, They basically said, hey, guys, we're going to run this new show. It's amazing. It's going to last forever. It's called Outsourced. Outsourced.
1: Yeah. Uh, Do you remember this show? I do. And I'm going to stick my neck out here and Uh say that I, I think that it gets a bad rep. I don't think it was stellar. It's certainly nothing compared to Parks and Rec, but it wasn't. It wasn't bad. Yeah. But was it ready to put in this spot after the office? That that I don't understand. I completely I agree with you. Yeah, I would agree.
0: Um, so anyway, so, you know, they NBC tried this. And I think to make matters worse, the way they laid out these blocks of episodes uh, for the fall schedule, the Parks and Rec team, once they did get back to shooting, they basically had to go in and shoot the entire series before they could even air the first episode. And that's how we end up with basically what was a release on January 20th, eight months. To the day after Freddy Spaghetti's release. Wow. So that's a long time to be off the air. And yet they'd certainly been busy at work and, you know, we're producing these episodes and Amy had a baby. And so there's a lot going on. But, um, you know, season three is uh, still a, a really solid season and I'm going to enjoy talking us through it. How about you?
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, it, it was interesting to, to read about a couple of different perspectives on this. You know, for, from one perspective, it's a shame when, you know, I think we've used the phrase kind of... Uh, uh, you know, reaching their Zenith or, or what do we call breaking their stride? What do yeah, we break are, breaking their stride was our, our catchphrase. Yes. That's the 80s song. Yeah, it, it is. All yeah. Right. <laughs> we stole it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so th- there's the thought of, okay, if if you're going to reach a stride there, why break your momentum and have that long of a break? The other perspective is, well, maybe that will make the audience grow even fonder, which maybe I kind of get, but I think, feel like that's kind of maybe wishful hindsight yeah. thinking. I think it is too. I, I think that
0: smarter moves were some of the other things they're going to do in season three. For example, not giving anything away here, but you know, we, we talked about the master plan where the, we had this sense that they were bringing back all these people we kind of knew from earlier in the season. You know, so we saw a lot of familiar faces that had and been telethon too, and telethon as well. You're right that we saw them in beauty pageant. Mm-hmm. So some of those folks that we liked came back. They're going to do the same thing in season three. You know, we've got Detlef Shrimp coming back. Um, I think, you know, Jay Jackson, Joan Calamezzo, uh, Wendy's character is going to be back a little bit in a very interesting way. Starting in this episode, Lucy's back. So, yep. um, you know, um, Sean Mulway-Tweep is back. Marlene Griggs-Nope is back. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of familiar faces. It's going to make us feel good and pretty comfortable. And it's there's some really, really funny episodes in this season. So, I'm I, again, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Absolutely agree. Me too.
0: All right. Well, let's jump in this episode then. So this this week's episode, again, as we said, is season three, episode one, which is Go Big or Go Home. Yep. And it first aired on January 20th, 2011. It was written by Alan Yang, who is, uh, you know, a, a frequent writer of this show. He did 16 total episodes. We also know him better as our bassist in Mouse Rat, Chang. And uh, he's a writer-producer, also did some other stuff with... Uh, Aziz Ansari. And uh, this episode was directed by Dean Holland, who's a director, producer, editor. We've talked about him as well before. This is also his fourth episode uh, at at this point in the series of a total of 27 that he directed. And we know him kind of starting his career as an editor in the office and a producer of Parks and Rec and other shows. So um, good to have both those guys back. Yep, for sure. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, should we get into our synopsises?
1: What do you want to do? Well, you know what? Let's let's break down how they started this episode first before we even do that. They, they did something very interesting here where they did a previously on Parks and Rec. Oh, that and sounds familiar. As a matter of fact, it, you know what? Let's if we can, let's go ahead and play that. It's kind of part of the cold open, but I feel like it can stand on its own. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, Constantine, let, let's hear that, please. Giddy
2: up, giddy
1: up. <laughs> Meet Leslie
3: Nolte. Leslie loves whipped cream, dancing with friends, and working hard for the Parks Department of Pawnee, Indiana.
2: Cut it out, Tom. It never gets old.
3: She also loves her co-workers at City Hall. Ron Swanson. Tom Haverford. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Tommy
3: Timberlake. April Ludgate.
4: My mom's Puerto Rican. That's why I'm so lively and
3: colorful. And Andy Dwyer.
4: Uh Nailed it.
3: April and Andy like each other. But when Andy accidentally kissed his ex-girlfriend, Ann Perkins, April left, and he hasn't seen her since. In the midst of all this love, Uh two black hats rode into town. Scientists believe that the first human being who will live 150 years has already been born. I believe I am that human being.
1: And they brought with them some disturbing news.
3: Effective tomorrow morning, the entire government will be shut down until further notice.
1: What will Leslie do next?
3: Will April and Andy make up and make out? Find out this season on Parks and Recreation, starting right now.
0: Well, that's pretty good, Mark. I I think they did a a fine, fine job of kind of recapping uh, mostly season two, but a little bit of season one and uh, setting us up nicely for this episode here in season three.
1: I agree. I like how they referred to uh, Chris and Ben as black hats.
0: Black hats.
1: And and I I also noticed they kind of stole my bit.
0: They did steal your bit. I'm a little bit upset. Now, uh, I I feel like it may be fair to note that while we're recording this, it's maybe 12 years after this episode aired, and maybe they didn't steal it so much as you stole their—I don't know.
1: That's not the way I see it. No? Okay, fair enough. (laughs) I'd see it your way, too. I've talked to my sock puppet lawyer, and he tells me that things are going to be fine. (laughs) Well, now
0: is it time for synopsis,
1: Mark? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. Well, this is what Constantine and I collaborated on. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, Did he he seem to be itching at all, by the way? um, A little bit. And then I was. I wasn't (laughs) sure why that was. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, sock puppet lawyer is going to talk to you, (laughs) too, buddy. All right. So uh, Constantine and I worked together and we came up with three uh, stories. An A story, B story, C story. And where we split up the work is how to title them cuz cuz we we think collectively we're funny but individually we're no good. So <laughs> his his title was for the A story increasing the park's budget. Not bad. Yeah. Just yeah. to the point. Yeah. Mine fine. was uh <sighs> mine was Ann Perkins, a prostitute minus the money. <laughs> wow. I think maybe I like his better.
0: <laughs> his is better at dinner company.
1: <laughs> that's, yeah. That's yeah. definitely true. Yeah. All right. After the three-month government shutdown ends, Leslie tells the gang that that the parks department is back, although on a shoestring budget. Auditors, Chris and Ben, telling them they can only conduct existing park maintenance. Wanting to offer better programs and services, Leslie has a brainstorm when she learns Chris has continued to ask out Anne, convincing Ann to go out on a date with Chris in order to persuade him to increase the park's budget. What will happen? Will Anne go out with Chris? If so, will she enjoy her date? Are she and Leslie sneaky enough to pull this off? If this doesn't work, what will they do? Never, feel, never, bleh, never fear loyal podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very, very nice. All right, Mark. Well, what was your B storyline then? Well, the B story. Um, uh I kind of want to tell you both titles and just say, I did the one that you like better, but I'll, I'll be honest. Constantine came up with the one uh, he called it basketball rivalry. Okay. Not bad. Yeah. I like that. Um, mine was, mine was Ron versus Andy, a love story, which I guess really doesn't work. <laughs> That's so, not so much I'm going to go with Constantine's. All yeah. right. <clears throat> Due to popular demand, auditor Ben allocated money for the youth or Ute uh, basketball leagues. I think Fred Ward <laughs> taught us that. Mike. The Utes. Um uh, Although with only two teams, so, you know, they're going to be great rivals. Um, They're coached by Ron, extremely strict, disciplined with his players, and Andy, very laid back, lets his kids go maniacal and out of control. Uh, Tom has been chosen to referee the game, but becomes increasingly jealous when ex-wife Wendy arrives to support Ron. What will happen? Will Ron's team defeat Andy's? Or will Andy's team pull a stunning upset? Whose team has the better battle cry? Will Tom learn basketball in time to correctly referee the game? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Wow, those are great questions. I, I, I know a few of the answers as well. So, <laughs> so the C story, uh, Constantine's title is uh, April, Where Art Thou? <laughs> so that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. I like it. He's getting a big ego, but whatever. Um, My title is April and Eduardo, a love story. Okay. I like his better. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm kind of going to the well one too many times. Yeah. After the disastrous scene in the hospital three months ago, where April learns and kissed Andy and stormed off, Andy has been calling April nonstop, hoping to get in touch with her, explain and smooth things over. What Andy didn't know is that April was in Venezuela all this time. And when he finally sees her return, he excitedly jumps at the opportunity to connect with her only to learn that she is back in town with mysterious, handsome new boyfriend, Eduardo. How will this turn out? Is April truly over Andy? Will Andy give up? Will Eduardo encourage Andy to follow his dreams? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell, dot, dot, dot. Oh, very nice. So you basically got a, a three-part story
0: sequence this week.
1: I think so. It, yeah, th- it that was kind of right tough, to but I, I think you could extract any of these and the others would survive-ish. Agreed.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah they'd be very short episodes but i think you're right <laughs>
1: exactly
0: <laughs> all
1: right well nice job maybe we should move into our akas this week then let's move into our akas all right well i actually came up with two okay um the the my runner up is uh Cause I wouldn't let Constantine help me with this. Cause he's too much of a, of a glory. Well, yeah. He, he would totally take all the credit. I know. And he'd, he'd do it better than I would quite frankly. So the, my runner up is, um, I'm great at being sneaky. I don't know why that just, that cracked me up just cause it's Leslie said it and it's not true. And yeah. she's, you know, Ben kind of calls her out on it. He really does. Um, so my, my number one, my, my, my winner, I guess is <laughs> it's just so stupid. It's <laughs> Tom is going nuts calling ridiculous, Uh, uh, fouls and stuff on on ron's team uh, during during the basketball game and at one point he says foul on number three for taking a number two on number four and you just hear andy start giggling in the sidelines which is so ridiculous because that very rarely happens
0: well thank god (laughs) yeah Yeah, i want my money back if i'm going to see
1: that amen yeah what'd you have
0: well, Mark, you know, sometimes uh, even despite an episode like this where there are literally hundreds of great choices, there's just that one line that stands out. It's so good. It just, that's all you need. Uh, and it's apropos of the episode. It's apropos of our return into to starting off season three. And, and it really just works every day of the week as far as I'm concerned. And that was Leslie's line as she walks into the room and says,
1: breaks over, mofos. I love it. I love it. I knew that you're going to pick that one. Well done.
0: I, I just I couldn't do any better. That's
1: right. All right. Nice.
0: Well, that concludes our AKAs. And I think, Mark, we're ready to break down this episode.
1: I think you are right. Good sir. Well, after the, uh, the the awesome previously on Parks and Rec yeah, that we played. Yeah, that play, they stole
0: from you, yes.
1: <laughs> I think they stole the ends like a, what will happen? Like, no, that's, that's my gig. You, you
0: stay away. Actually, I think they did it on like, uh, you know, Murder, She Wrote or something. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's not a new thing in the universe.
1: I actually thought, God help me, this tells you how old I am. I thought of the old, the old sitcom Soap. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And, and, and how are, they they Holy do. cow. I know. I, I love that show, though. I do, too. That was very, And very they fun. do that narration,
0: you know, today on so. Oh, my gosh. I wonder how well that show stands <laughs> up today. We'd Great. Okay. Well, thank you for telling They're me They're all 10,000 ways nuts. Oh. I love it. Really? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, then I'm putting that on the watch list. Richard Mulligan's a genius. Oh, all right. Gosh. Yeah.
1: All right. So, after the previously, I'll talk to that clip. Yeah. Um, We see Leslie driving up in the Leslie Mobile to Ron's splitting wood geolocation undisclosed <laughs> and you know gets out says we're back you know oh bully And you can tell Ron's not real thrilled but he's no. gonna go with her well she continues to go around and pick up the rest of the gang in the Leslie mobile uh, she goes by a uh, lady footlocker to, to get <laughs> to get Tom she goes by did you catch this Kernston's, Kernstons. rubber nipples yeah where Donna I guess is a saleswoman I there. put the Kernston's call center nice yes even better yeah Um, And then she goes by a a serene uh, vista about by a lake where Jerry is painting this beautiful painting. You
0: know how Leslie's Craftsman beautiful $2 million mansion is not in Pawnee? Neither is that effing lake. I'm sorry. (laughs) That is freaking Idaho (laughs) if it's any place.
1: And either way, funny and beautiful. You are such a Vista snob. I know. But I think you're right. Anyway, so she collects them all and says, hey, we're back. And they're they're all, and they join her in her increasingly crowded little car there and and they make their way happily back to it's work. It's kind of becoming a clown car at this point. It really is. Well, I, I think everyone is pretty happy that Leslie came and told him the good news, yeah. except for Tom, yeah. who's in the back seat with Donna and Jerry, who, <laughs> not the most svelte of people. No, they're not. Yeah. And he's got they're the not petite, seat. He, not. They're not petite, let's say that. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: It, it, didn't he just say, I, I called shotgun. Everybody heard me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You're not budging Ron out of the passenger no, seat. No way. That wasn't going to happen.
0: <laughs> well, Mark, from there, you know, we go into the opening credits. And I wanted to mention real quick that there are a couple changes here starting in season three. They've moved Adam Scott and Rob Lowe into the main credits. You know, uh, Paul Schneider is now gone as Mark, yep. Mark Brandonowitz, the character, has left. We've talked about that. And something else exciting, immediately following the opening credits, we finally get Jim O'Hare and Retta in the main cast. Yeah. For the first time. They're no longer guest stars of this amazing show. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, and congrats to both of you. We're we're really looking forward to having you on our show to talk about that. Nice. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then from there we open up and, you know, um, I think we're going to kick this off with a trio of what I'd call little vignettes, uh, our catch-ups, you know, not to be confused with ketchup. Right. Uh, which you put on your French fries. Right. Uh, but, the, you know, the team is, is is back to work and they're they're following. We're going to follow up with April and Andy on their storyline. We're going to follow up with Leslie and the gang. And we're going to catch a, ch- catch up with Chris and Ben as well.
1: That's right. The, the first of the the trio of uh V- Vignette's there. Um, <laughs> we we see the gang all assembled in the bullpen. I think this is where your awesome AKA comes from breaks over mofo where Leslie comes in and she kind of gives them, you know, a welcome back speech because they're all they're They're back. And it's a big deal, but she's also kind of laying the, the saying the, the state of the union here, they're operating on a shoestring budget they're but they're still there and they need to make Pawnee fun for the people who live there. So she's kind of a, a combo of pumping them up, I think, and just kind of laying, laying it out there on the line. The second of the Vignettes there is where we go to Andy's shoeshine stand, and we, uh, we see some great things hanging on the wall, by the way. Did you see that? the the, uh, the summer catalog cover and uh, the, uh, where he, he captured Fairway Frank. He's really got it decked out. It's kind of a shrine to himself. It's, and and I, I notice you get a good shot of all the other uh, supplemental things he's got on the shelves. Yeah. It is like a quickie mart. It's a little quickie mart, yeah. But anyway, so Andy's calling April for like the 200th time with no response as per usual. And at this point, Andy is bewildered and a little frustrated, but he's not giving up yet. He just, he doesn't yeah. know what's going on.
0: Look, April, if you're trying to tell him something, he's not picking on what it is. Please call him back.
1: Yes, that's right. <laughs> and then the third of the vignettes is... Um, Chris and Ben arrive in the bullpen and address the gang. And in traditional Chris cop, Ben cop fashion, Uh, Chris, I love this. Chris tells everyone how great it is to see them. And then I've got to go, Ben. And then and then hands it over to Ben, who delivers the bad news, you know, of course, that their only work for the time being is existing park maintenance.
0: Did you pick up on the fact that Ben does seem to be getting annoyed here? Yes. We talked about this a lot as we were closing out season two. You had a particular, you know, interest wondering whether or not, you know, Chris was being sincere. Right. Right. Um, I feel like we landed on maybe he is and I feel like maybe he still is. But there's some proof now that that probably is true because Ben just like, why are we still playing this game? You know, you can hear it in his tone.
1: Oh, yeah. When well, he turns around and looks at him annoyed while he kind of scampers off. <laughs> and so it's, I not, think-
0: it's, it's only the first time in this episode that's going to happen.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Ben tells him, OK, for now, we're just doing the park maintenance. And then but he does admit the one ah, exception yeah. to this it's is in Indiana. It's Indiana. And in Indiana, apparently, uh, (laughs) if you don't provide a basketball league there, uh, people get very upset and call you turd boy, whatever. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But there's only enough money for two teams, which, you know, as we said, is going to develop a great rivalry between them, I I think. Um, So that's interesting. That's like the one outlet that they let happen.
0: Yeah, no. And and smartly so. I mean, you and I are, are sitting here in central Indiana, so I think we can attest to the fact that that was probably pretty smart.
1: Oh, I definitely agree. Yeah, yeah, good call.
0: Well, following this speaking of basketball, we're gonna bounce over to a location I'm not sure we've been at, Mark, the North Pawnee Recreation Center.
1: Yeah, we go to the North Pawnee Recreation Center and we see Ron coaching one of the aforementioned two teams. Yeah. And this is this is where we see the birth of another internet meme as uh-huh. Ron introduces dur, dur, dur. The Swanson Pyramid of Greatness.
0: Mark, I wrote that this is the greatest infographic ever created.
1: I think you may be right. Yes. As a matter of fact, this is so funny as he goes through the individual things. Do, do we have a clip we can play?
0: We, we do, as a matter of fact. I've asked Constantine to get that ready for us, Mark. And uh, I, In fact, I asked him to choose in the deleted scenes, which we typically will we'll talk about a little later and we still will. Uh, there were like 13 today one of the greatest deleted scenes ever happens to be an expanded version of the Ron Swanson Pyramid of Ah, Greatness. So we're gonna play that particular version. Yep.
4: Under my tutelage, you will grow from boys into men, from men into gladiators, and from gladiators into Swansons. Behold, the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include teamwork, very important. Equally important, selfishness. Take what's yours. America, the only country that matters. If you want to experience other cultures, use an atlas or a ham radio. Cursing, there's only one bad word, taxes. Haircuts, there are three acceptable haircuts. High and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? Animal proteins, four to eight servings daily. Cow, pig, chicken, deer. Fish, for sport only, fish meat is practically a vegetable. Friends, one to three is sufficient. Capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor. Skim milk.
3: Avoid it, <laughs> sir.
4: Physical fitness, honor. Facial hair, living in the woods. Rage, poise, property rights, frankness. Cut the bullshit. Crying. B.O. Cabin. Skim milk. That's right. It's on here twice. Avoid it. Masonry. Stillness. Torso. Intensity. (laughs) Old wooden sailing ships. They're beautiful.
0: Ah, so good. Well, Mark, I don't know. I, I was inspired by the three different choices of haircut. You might see I got my hairs cut yesterday. I went with high and tight. It looks smashing. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it's smashing all right, as isn't It's smashed and my hair is all gone. But yes, yes. <laughs> and not just because of the headphones.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. You know, for those few listeners or viewers, they may be viewers, we're not sure. Yeah, uh, we're still, the jury's still out. For those of you potential viewers who haven't actually seen the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, yeah. we really recommend you go to your local Googles and just type in Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. Yeah, and it's come right it's, it's It's fantastic. Yeah.
0: I had Constantine print out a couple of versions for us, Mark. Um, oh, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, th- he really did mention most of the really good ones, but um, I felt like we should add one he didn't. Um, mm. You know, uh, well, first of all, he didn't define a couple of them. I thought Torso was worth mentioning um, <laughs> because um, – yeah, it should be thick and impenetrable. I yep. thought that's pretty good. Yep. And then also for clarity, bo, cultivating a manly musk puts you uh, your, <laughs> put your, put your opponents on notice. I love that. <laughs> so yeah. And then you, you are your biggest
1: ally. I, I don't know. I thought there, there's some real wisdom in this chart. There, There is. Uh, I think you should treat it like a buffet and maybe pick the best parts. Yeah,
0: perhaps. I mean, I'm mostly vegetarian, <laughs> so I'm going to skip most of those animal proteins. Oh, it's um, a mistake. You know, and I do occasionally eat fish. <sighs> <laughs> but, but it's like a vegetable. Ron said so. So I. And vegetables are healthy. I guess. I guess I'm a full vegetarian then. I did not know that. <laughs> there you go. There it is. Well, following the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, we're going to be back over at the Parks Department for a minute. And uh, we've got one of our great hallway walk and talks where Leslie and Ann are discussing being back at work and budgetary woes, which are apparently so bad that Leslie can't even buy crap.
1: Yeah, literally. Um, (laughs) Ann Perkins. Uh, So, yeah, Ann's walking with Leslie and asking her and, and Leslie is just she's lamenting at how little they can do with the slashed budget and how much they're unable to buy stuff. And she kind of wistfully remembers uh, fondly the the stuff that the Parks Department used to do when they were kids, like yeah. for example the winter jamboree and the harvest festival, things that really meant a lot to them. Um, at this moment, Chris and Ben approach the two of them, and there's a great, uh, as I call it, a BSN. Ben says no <laughs> I moment. It. It's, I just I I love these. I love the, and I know I think Ben's getting annoyed at this, like you know. Hey, how's it going? Leslie Well, awful because everyone's asking where the hell, you know, the parks department stuff went I'm like, oh, it's terrible. Ben, is there anything we can do about it? And he just kind of looks at him. No, damn. Sorry, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't ask me again. <laughs> and then he has to talk to uh, and they walk off. I think Ben tries to like, just say, hey, how's it going? And Leslie just says, nope, I'm not chit chatting with you. No. You don't have faith in me or my department. You can go honk Herman. Uh
0: and then they she, they both start to walk away in the same direction. She goes, "No, go the other way. You go the
1: other way." But oh, I I, just, I need to go right there. Okay,
0: <laughs> uh, get all of it. As you said, Chris and Anne kind of split off and have their own conversation. It seems like maybe Chris is uh, he's applying a Tom move here, Mark. He's trying to wear her down.
1: You know what? I I would never have thought about it like that, but I think you're absolutely right. It's brilliant. Um, it, it's a little bit less slimy. Yeah, sure. But yes, yes. yes re- repetition <laughs> may win the day. So- I think Leonard also did this with Penny, if I'm not mistaken. Penny. Penny. Yes, I think you're right. No, that that's Sheldon. Oh, damn it. <laughs> he wore her down, too, though. <laughs> you're wearing me down. All Sorry. right. so So, yeah, outside in the courtyard... As you said, Chris asks Ann out again and Ann's flattered, but turns him down, saying she's really not in a headspace right now to go out with anyone. Yeah. And Chris is maybe like momentarily disappointed for a very short time, but immediately springs back to his cheerful baseline, telling her, hey, if you change your mind, you know where to find me. That's right. Um, Ann Perkins Ann Perkins and um, Leslie walks up right as Chris leaves and, and Anne tells Leslie, Chris asked her out again. And that kind of got Leslie thinking about a way that they can save the parks department.
0: Well, the other thing I really liked about that sequence, Mark, was this is where I think where your secondary AKA came from. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Leslie says, let me ask you a question. Now, would you be cool doing things that a prostitute does, you know, minus the money?
1: <laughs> and Anne was a little bit on the fence, I think. Yeah. I was for a just moment. doing things that a prostitute does. But when Leslie added the bonus of having no money involved, yeah, she's like, I right. am so in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Yep.
0: Well, back at the basketball court, we see a great demonstration of what I would call two distinctly different coaching styles. You know, Ron's clearly from the Bobby Knight School. And uh, Andy is more from maybe some sort of esoteric approach. And then Tom, I think he just is from some school that thinks basketball is the big round one.
1: (laughs) I, I think you're right. So there's really three schools of thought. Yeah. Yeah. Ron and Andy are getting their teams prepared for the game. You know, on Ron's side, as you said, you know, they're very orderly. They're doing orderly drills, getting ready, very proper. Um, On Andy's side, we see total anarchy. Like (laughs) Andy is gleefully yelling like some sort of prehistoric monster. He's lifting the kids up so they can dunk the ball. Kids are laying in the center of the court. They're kicking the balls around. It's mass hysteria. Yeah. Now, Tom, having worked at Lady Foot Locker and therefore owning the right outfit, <laughs> is the referee for the game, even though he of knows course. nothing about basketball. No, not um, at all. Tom blows the whistle and he rolls the ball into the center of the court <laughs> and the game starts. Um, Very traditional approach. I, I did really like uh, when, when Andy's team and Ron's team kind of huddle up to get get psyched up and they have their, their, their war cries. Yes. And... Andy's team says <laughs> "mouse rat," <laughs> and Ron's team says carnage. That's great. <laughs> uh,
0: well, and then you know Tom, as he he gets you know the thing kicked off there. He, Match point, touchdown, etc. <laughs> <laughs> field goal. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Buddy. Whatever. Well, following that, we're over at Ann's house for a brief moment. And Leslie in the role of, uh, you know, handler for her secret agent, Ann uh, is also coaching on some fundamentals of, uh, I guess, espionage.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and also what to wear. No, oh, there's that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, just like an alias, right. You know, Sydney didn't always know what to wear. She had to go to some sort of coach, I guess. Yeah. You have
1: your handlers. They had those on Chuck too. Um, <laughs> So, you know, again, as with the prior scene here, you have two schools of thought. Leslie prefers to err on the side of ridiculously over the top sexy, e.g. a metal bikini or, if you will, a shirt that looks wet all the time. While Anne's school of thought is trying to err on the side of sanity. Yeah, well, again, different ways to do different things. After a conversation about clothes and after a conversation about what foods are sexy, good lord, (laughs) Turkey, chili, just saying Um, Leslie tries to give in some well-meaning pointers with how to steer the conversation towards the park department uh, budget with with maybe mixed results.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really not that hard, Mark. (laughs) Well, you know, speaking of dinner, Anne and Chris are going to be, I don't know what this restaurant is. It's a very nice restaurant. I did not recognize it as a place we've been before. I Clearly not JJ's. Right. <laughs> but they're on a very nice date at a nice restaurant and things are starting off pretty well for, you know, Anne and Chris and Leslie.
1: <laughs> yeah, this, this starts out, um, Chris, as always, as you might imagine, he, he's cheerful. He's engaged. He's passionate and he's charming and he wants to hear every detail of Ann Perkins Day. And so it it does seem like it's going pretty well. And as a matter of fact, um, Alan, let's let's have Constantine play a a little clip here, because I think there's an interesting little exchange that happens during the date.
0: There definitely is. Let's uh, let's play that right now.
3: I am so excited that you finally agreed to go out with me. What a magnificent flip flop. You're a magnificent asker <laughs> Tell me every single detail of your day. I love dates. I love connecting with someone. I love engaging them. I love being surprised by them. I have never had a bad date. They've all been either great or phenomenally great. Nurses are the most undervalued members of our society by far. I think all of you should make as much money as the CEO of Google. Wow, thank you, I agree. Can I ask you a question? Why am I so positive all the time?
5: Yes, that's exactly the question.
3: I was born with a blood disorder, and my parents were told that I had three weeks to live. And here I still am, some 2,000-odd weeks later, and I have enjoyed every one of them.
0: You know, Mark, I love that. And I'm glad you guys uh, asked to play that today because I feel like we've been wondering a lot about what motivates Chris. Like, is he really that? Po- How can anyone be that
1: positive? Right. This is brilliant. I, I agree. And I think that when you have someone who is so eccentrically acting in one way or another. In this case, Chris is so cheerful. It's it's easy to just think of him as an as a unreal cartoon or yeah. caricature and you can't kind take of a one noter and you can't take him seriously. Yep. But you see something like this and it really, I think, humanizes him and makes you go, oh, okay, you do have three dimensions after all. Yep. Well, and, you know, right before that, and if you play them out of order, it starts to make a little
0: more sense. His talking head, you know, he says he loves dates. Mm-hmm. He loves connecting with someone. I love engaging them. I love being surprised by them. I've never been on a bad date. They've all either been great or phenomenally great. That's right. (laughs) Which is terrific. Um, Good for him. But, you know, I think, again, he treats that like he seems to treat everything else in life. And now we kind of know why. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Great selection. Well, you know, Ann and Leslie are on the phone and Leslie thinks the date is going pretty well, but maybe not as well as, you know, her mission plan.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Ann's telling Leslie that... Yeah. She's having a good time. And Leslie's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about the money? And and Anne gets a little flustered just saying, look, if you think you are so smart and you know how to do this, maybe you should, maybe you should do this yourself. And it turns out she like steps like a secret spy herself. She steps out of the woodwork, like right next to her and goes, I'm already here. And Anne's like, well, holy crap. (laughs) Where was she hiding? I I have no idea. Creepy. Yeah. she's, She's very talented. Yeah, she really is. And we, so this kind of, Goes on to a next scene, but it's kind of together where we see Anne is with Chris again at the table and she clearly knows Leslie's there at that point. Yeah. But then Leslie kind of walks up like, oh, Anne, Chris, hi, I didn't see you there. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, you're on a date. And she sits down with them and she begins to talk with them when who should arrive but Ben. This is getting weird. I know. Um, And the I love Chris's reaction to this. Chris is great in the swap. So Chris is just happy to see both of like, this is fantastic. Yeah. (laughs) How could this date get any better? Two of our friends showed up. Amazing. And Leslie is not happy to see Ben. She kind (sighs) of grabs him and walks a few steps away just so they can talk and says, look, what are you what are you doing here? And Ben fires right back saying, look, I know what you're trying to do. And you're not that sneaky. And she's like, "Yes, I am," which is was one of my AKs. Yeah, I don't know why. I just thought that was funny. Yes, I am sneaky. No, you're not. Um, so Chris speaks well, up, and the, it's important because of something that's going to happen here in a few minutes. Yes. Yep. And Chris speaks up and cheerfully invites both of them to have dinner with, sure. with him and Anne on of course their date. He does yeah, it's going to be great, and they both accept, although maybe pro- probably for different reasons. Um,
0: well, you know, I think if as much as Anne wants to be on this date with Chris, I think really. Um, She did this as a favor to Leslie. I think she's a little relieved that Ben and Leslie are here now because it's going to take a little bit of the pressure off her. So I don't think she's upset about it either.
1: Oddly enough. You know, I hadn't I hadn't considered that. I I think I think at one point I would have thought that. But I think now that things are going so well, I don't think she would have minded. She's turned that corner. Yeah, she
0: would have been totally fine if they hadn't shown up. I think you're right. She also would have not done her mission objective.
1: I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, back at the basketball court, the game continues, if
1: you want to call it a game. (laughs) Ron's team is winning and Andy's team. Shocking. Largely doesn't care. No, no <laughs> and it's just having fun. As a yeah. matter of fact, I, I love one of the first things is, is Andy <laughs> kind of just kind of casually looks over at all the, 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 the weird carnage uh, going on, on the basketball court yeah. there and sees uh, Eric. Eric is apparently just lying down in the middle of the basketball court. And he's like, Hey, Hey buddy, are you taking a rest or are you hurt? Are you just taking a rest. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else. You should take a cue from Eric. Just lay down in the middle of the floor. Apropos of nothing during the game. That's, that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, Whereas Ron, destroy them, gentlemen. Feel no sympathy. (laughs) I am the breaker of worlds. (laughs) So we see. And then we see Wendy walk up behind Ron and put her hand on his shoulder, you know, kind of support him. And Tom's looking over at them and he's clearly annoyed. Yeah, very much.
0: Yeah, he's got I think he has a little talking head at the end of this sequence where he's like, hey. You know, no big deal. Um, My girlfriend, Lucy, she's the sexiest uh, woman in town and she's Cuban and she's got tattoos and she's into me, which I think is the sexiest quality a woman can have. So I think he's trying to play this off at this point, at least.
1: I think he's trying to convince himself. Yeah. Yeah. And not that he doesn't believe that, but I think he cares way more about Wendy than he's letting on. Yeah, I think that's true. It's
0: maybe been a little too recent.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, now that we're back at the restaurant and this foursome is together. They're deciding, hey, while,
1: while we're here, let's just kick this thing into high gear. <laughs> Leslie suggests they all take a walk uh, by the pond in Ramsett Park, uh, which Chris goes, yeah, that, that could be good. And Leslie's like, oh, darn, the park's closed. Subtle. And, and, and Ben tries to step in. Well, hey, let's leave, you and I leave them on their date, Leslie. And then. You know, actually, I think you may be right with what you said a few minutes ago, because Anne kind of perks up here and says, you know what, I'm actually having a good time with everybody, which Chris agrees with. So you may be right, Um, at least in terms of achieving Leslie's goals. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then Chris says, well, hey, let's let's take this uh, this weird uh, tornado of date plus two other uh, people there. Let's take this thing up into the stratosphere, which apparently means that they go to the greatest place next to Ron's house, the Bulge nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> Which we fondly remember, among other places, from season two, episode one, Pawnee Zoo. Well, Mark, we're going to bounce back to the basketball
0: court for a very brief sequence where I think it's pretty clear that Tom is losing
1: control of this game. Yeah, he sees Wendy continue to snuggle up to Ron on the sidelines. He's getting more and more agitated until finally, not knowing what else to do, he stands up and blows the ref whistle. And everyone kind of yep. looks at him and he's unsure what to say. And then finally he's like, "Uh, that's a foul. Like, well, on who? On your team, a number uh, 50. He's double dribbling. Well, he's on defense. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so he just is, he's trying to lash out however he can at this point, just because I think he's so angry. Look,
0: Mark, that's a technical difficulty, <laughs> <laughs>
1: whatever that is. <laughs> and Andy's team gets to do the thing from the stripey thing. Well,
0: you show, of course, the stripey thing. <laughs> the stripey thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great.
0: Well, following this, we're going to bounce back over to the bulge. And, you know, the foursome is now here and it seems like they're enjoying themselves. And,
1: uh, you know, this is a location we've been at before, Mark. That's right. That's right. There's always uh, loud music and there's lots of dancing and everyone's having fun. And they've kind of for a little bit here uh, split up into the Chris and Ann couple and the Ben and Leslie, not couple exactly, but they're they're kind of separated logistically. And so Chris and Ann are at a table And there are are several guys at a table uh, down the way from them that are gazing dreamily over at Chris because, I mean, (laughs) duh. And then, you know, Chris just looks at him and gives him a big cheery smile and waves at him. And one guy comes over and says, hey, you know, how you doing? Can I buy you a drink? and chris says you know i'm flattered but he politely turns him down he said this is my stunningly, stunningly gorgeous date ann perkins <laughs> and then the guy goes hey i'm uh, sorry about that and chris goes oh no 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 as a matter of fact he walks over to the table where the yeah. guys are seated he goes i'm going to i want to buy you all a drink for being so welcoming and and what a guy and, and yeah and ann and kind of just has a very like 4 second talking head where she says i think i may actually like chris well, I mean he's a likable guy. I mean, that's oh, yeah. a, a, a classy thing to have done. The, yes. the only
0: thing I'll say about that sequence is that the guy that came over to to ask Chris, you know,
1: for a dance or whatever, way out of his league. Chris is way out of his league. I don't know what he was thinking. Hey, you know what they say in Hollywood? You punch upward.
0: (laughs) Well, he was definitely punching upward (laughs) with both fists. Well, you're right, Mark. And right after that, you know, Anne has this realization that she might actually like Chris. Um, You know, we're going to see Ben and and Leslie together. And I think we see a little bit of a callback to, uh,
1: to Pawnee Zoo. That's right. We see the uh, the the poster that's kind of reminiscent of the uh, Obama era posters. Yeah, yeah with she's the, a gay hero. She is. She's a gay hero, and and she tells you know Ben a little bit about hey I had a gay uh, penguin marriage, and he goes oh that's cute, and she's like yeah it is, but you know what never mind that I right, give me some money, <laughs> and so she's very focused. She is. She's very focused, and Ben. Tells her a little bit more information. He had told her a little bit, I think, at the end of season two. And he goes into a little bit more detail saying, well, you know, when I was the 18 year old mayor of my town, I used every last dollar to open this giant winter sports complex called Ice Town. And it was never completed. And I got impeached. And I kind of took the takeaway. I interpreted the takeaway for this as he is very risk adverse. At this point,
0: I think that's fair. And he's he's really looking out for Leslie in lots of ways.
1: He is. But what I thought was interesting was Leslie's response, which mm. she says, you know what? Two things. A, I think Icetown sounds great myself. Yeah. And B, you know what? At least you tried something. Yeah. Which I think he kind of looked at her and smiled. So maybe he's thinking a little bit. Yeah, he sees that. And that's quintessential Leslie for sure. Yeah.
0: You know, Mark, I was struck here by the fact that. It's very weird. Many, many years ago in theater, in high school and college, uh, you know, we did these little chants to kind of flex our, our, our facial muscles and get, and and one of the things we would say out loud was actually the newspaper headline, ironically, that Ben mentions, Ice Town Cost Ice Town Clown, His Town Crown. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea that that was from the future at that
1: point. Wow. Crazy. You know, we've heard in prior episodes how you actually have a time machine stored uh, in one of your closets. So we cannot talk about that. Well, we're going to have to go back in time and edit this then. Done. <laughs>
0: Well, following that, we're back at the basketball game for a few minutes. And, you know, the the at this point, the referee from Lady Footlocker seems to have clearly lost his mind. And I think he needs to go home and maybe study the game of
1: basketball or, or see a therapist. I think he was a little bit uh, gun shy to call uh, his brand of ridiculous fouls. But I think he, clearly the gloves are <laughs> off at this point. Yeah, it's all done. Uh, a, a few of them that I caught. Uh, well, one is my AKA that I love yes. foul on number three for taking a number two, on number four, uh, roughing the passer, Pass it, yeah. uh, double dribbling, uh, the, the foul for touching the basketball. Yeah, yeah. you touch the basketball. What are you going to do about it? nothing on account of you fouled? You can't do anything. And and this continues. And he keeps mm. on ejecting and ejecting more of Ron's uh, team members until there's literally no one left. Yeah. So And now Andy's team is just I wouldn't call it playing. But they're just kind of wandering around the court and eventually they'll score a basket just because they're playing. And and I'm not even sure they're trying to shoot baskets. I, I think you're right. Um, I think like one of them had a piece of pizza out on the yes, court. Like a, it's, it's insanity. So in a fit of frustration, Ron's like, this is this is bull and he, and he tries to pull off Tom's uniform that you don't even deserve to wear it. <laughs> That's and right. Tom says, all right, you know what happens now? You're, you molest the ref. I eject you. That's what happens now. And then Wendy comes over, what are you doing? Tom, he's like, I I eject you. I eject everybody. You're all out of order. <laughs> and uh, we, we get a great uh, Bobby Knight esque so uh, uh, scene where Ron loses his cool, yells, whips grabs a chair, chair. And yeah. whips it across the the basketball court and storms off with his team. And so Tom says, OK, well, I guess Ed, Ron's team forfeits and Andy's team wins. And so they stop uh, eating pizza or whatever they're doing on the court. And they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And uh, they're chanting Andy and Andy pours Gatorade over his own head. It was very cute.
0: I, I love that scene at the end, Mark, because one, Andy starts the chant Andy, <laughs> Andy, <laughs> Andy, Andy. <laughs> And then he's brought a bottle. He just pours it all over his head. Yeah. And apparently it's sticky.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he does dedicate the victory to April. April Ludgate. Which I oh he is does kind of yeah. sweet. I don't know if she'll ever know that. She may never know that, especially when
0: her restraining order kicks in. So <laughs> yeah. Well, back at the bulge, Mark, you know, Leslie and the the rest of the gang with Chris and Ben and Ann, we're all back at the same table now. And Leslie is trying to kind of explain what her motivation was here,
1: you know, regarding funding the parks department. Yeah. It, it, Leslie's talking to Chris about the slashed budget. And, and I think Chris, you know, as he puts it, he's like, I don't know if it's because I'm in a good mood or just because I have the very charming Ann Perkins by my side. But I'm going to seriously consider what you're saying yeah and then at this point it, Le- leslie's like yeah victory a uh, mission accomplished the banner goes up you know and uh so this uh kind of confuses chris like what mission accomplished and that i i love the little aside ben very smugly turns to leslie and goes uh-oh <laughs> 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 i just love he can't resist just sticking nope. the knife in a little bit nope. and so leslie and this actually kind of Cheesed me off a little bit. I felt like this was very un-Leslie-like. Leslie kind of threw Anne under the bus. She did. And not only threw her under the bus, but it wasn't even true.
0: Well, I think her initial reaction is to try to explain why Anne was involved in this. Maybe to to take the pressure off of Anne, but it turned so quickly into blaming Anne that I, I don't think Leslie did it on purpose, but boy, did she wind
1: up doing it. Yeah. And, and so basically she says, well, this was Ann's idea mostly. Yeah. Uh, to go out with you, Chris. And so you could talk about the money. And then so then I could have it. <laughs> and and then poor Chris, you know, ah, he says yeah, yeah. this is a guy that's perpetually optimistic, always cheerful. And he just says, wow, I've just had my first bad date in Perkins. And he walks off and you're like for for Chris. That's heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. You can tell he's really hurt by this. Yeah. Well, then
0: Ben has this great final line here uh, referencing what we talked about earlier where, you know, Leslie said she was you know sneaky and he said, no, you're not. He says, not that
1: sneaky. Yep. So, you know. Just have to turn that knife a little bit more. A little more. Frankly, she she deserves it. I like how in this episode, very lightly, Ben is kind of a Leslie antagonist. I don't yes. think he's mean or malicious or anything, but definitely their their purposes are yeah. at contrast. Well,
0: while her intentions are good, she has lost the high ground here to Ben for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I
0: agree. And so it's interesting to see you know uh, her hoisted by her own Captain Picard or whatever they did say. <laughs> Bravo. Yeah. Well, following that, where it's the next day, we're at the shoe shine stand. Andy is uh, you know putting on a little bit of shine there when he finally sees April
1: across the courtyard. Oh man. He and I thought this was interesting because I know that you and I have talked about uh, the the layout of the parks and rec department. Yeah, I I'm think like, it's a big giant U shape is what I, I've kind of I come think up you're with. right. Yeah. Because we see Andy, he's shining the shoes, you see his head turn to the right, and he sees through one window across the courtyard. Yep. Yeah through a second window he sees april and yeah. really she's like around his desk or her desk rather right so i think that on a normal shoe shiny day andy is sometimes able to see directly into yeah the it bullpen. never occurred to me but yeah this shot establishes that and man he takes off he's like he leaves shoe shine. i don't think it was Lynn kyle, kyle. No. yeah whoever it was and he just leaves everything and just sprints out the door across the courtyard into the bullpen and like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, April, April. And April's just kind of nonplus like, hey, and like, I, I've been called, I've called you a bajillion times. Like, where were you? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was in Venezuela. Um, and then across the pond, <laughs> across the pond is Andy's just hush. It's a good thing you're pretty. Um, so <laughs> Andy tries to apologize again about the whole and kissing him because they never got a chance to resolve it. You know, True. and April's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. And oh, by the way, here's my uh, mysterious, handsome uh, boyfriend, Eduardo. He's Johnny's cousin. Oh, my gosh. He's dreamy. And then she she introduces him to Andy, who I think doesn't believe her at first. And then they go excuse them. So they like, we're going to go to lunch. See ya. And uh, they leave and Andy looks after them and he's, I think he's kind of upset. Hey, how do you say have a great time and don't choke (laughs) on anything?
0: Well, there's a brief little scene here, Mark, where Ann is going to enter Chris's office. And I I think this is another one we talked about. Let's play it and then we'll talk
1: about it. Absolutely.
3: Leslie asked me to do her a favor and I love her, so I did it. I'm sorry. And I'm here to eat crow. I like you a lot. Let's go out again.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Perkins. I love that. Two words and all is well with the universe again. I'm especially interested in this episode, Mark. I think there are four different approaches to saying Ann Perkins, perhaps. And every one of them has
1: carries its own different meaning. I 100% agree. And that, that's something that I actually called out to myself is he, it's interesting how he, he can use those two words and depending on the speed with which he says them, the tone with which he says them, the, the, the physical presence of when he points, how his face looks, they mean completely different things. And it's, 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 I mean, it's good writing, but it's a masterful performance by Rob Lowe. It really is. I think that kid might make it as we've said before. (laughs) Um, I, I also like, I mean, so you didn't see how he very slowly grinning and pointed yeah. at Andrew and Perkins and he, he lit up too. He did. He yeah. lit up and yeah. he actually, and he, I think he does this all the time, at least with maybe with everybody, but at least with women. when, when Ann came in, he immediately stood up, yeah. you know, at his desk, yeah. which is very respectful, yeah. but yeah, I love that scene. Crazy. No, that's scene. a great
2: scene.
0: Well, in the next scene, Leslie's in her office and she is catching
1: up on her idea storming when Andy comes in for some advice. Yeah, he's he doesn't know what to do. And I think that he it's not uncommon for him to kind of turn to Leslie as a mentor. And he says, you know, I got my answer about April. She hates me. She's got a boyfriend, uh, some city in Mexico, I guess. I don't know. Uh, what do I do? He, you, Well, one, you should take a geography lesson or seven <laughs> across the pond across the pond. And Leslie stops and she considers for just a second. She goes, "Okay, well, when your back's against the wall and odds are stacked against you, swing swings, you swing the hardest. Go, go big or go home, which is the namesake of the episode. You know, and you don't seem like the kind of guy who goes home. I'm not. I don't even have a home. (laughs) So that makes it easy. Um, So he he leaves kind of inspired slash encouraged by Leslie's advice. And we see Leslie kind of sit back for a second, I think, pondering the very advice she just gave Andy. No, that's a great call out. And uh, yeah, it's a great
0: little scene with her and Andy. And like you mentioned, there's this kind of unspoken mentorship that's been kind of going on and will continue. I think we'll see a little shift in that. Andy may get a new mentor here in the future, or at least an additional mentor, Right? you're absolutely right. Well, Mark, I think it's this conversation with Andy that sparks this idea in Leslie's head for what's going to happen next. And she gathers the whole team together. She wants to share her idea and then kind of get their their buy-in and then take it to the brass.
1: Right. We, we kind of see a visual uh, one-two punch. The first yeah. part is she's talking to the gang, Tom, Ron, Donna, Jerry, April, uh, in the hallway, And she's like, I got it. The answer has been in front of us the whole time. And she points over to the right to the Pawnee Harvest Festival banner from 1983. Not the testicle uh, poster, which is, uh, Jerry, I'm looking at you. You need to check that out.
0: And this was all established earlier in the episode where there's this scene in a hallway that maybe we haven't seen quite like this before, where it's kind of the top 20 hits of Pawnee, right? Right. Things that have happened in the past over the years. And there's this giant poster on the wall that mentions the Pawnee Harvest Festival.
1: Right. And then the second aspect of this one-two punch is... They grab this banner from the hallway, and now Leslie and gang are standing in front of Chris and Ben, and they're they're giving their idea pitch. Um, and actually, this is it, it's maybe a little long, but it's so good, and I feel like it plays well on the podcast. Let's let's have Constantine play this clip.
0: Yeah, I think uh, this is also another clip to round out the show today. Here yep. we go,
2: gentlemen. I realize that times are tough and the budget is tight. But if the people of this town have nothing else to do but sit in their houses and play video games, then Pawnee will die. And we refuse to let that happen. Now, this town was historically known for two things, widespread obesity and the annual Pawnee Harvest Festival. People from all over Indiana would come and gaze in wonderment at how fat our citizens were. And while they were here, they would also attend the festival. A full week of corn mazes, hayrides, Ferris wheels, pumpkins the size of Jeeps. We lost that festival a few years ago due to another round of budget cuts. And I propose we bring the festival back. With ticket sales and corporate sponsorship, we'll earn all that money back. And believe me, people will come.
1: What if they don't?
2: Well, then you eliminate the Parks Department.
1: And you guys are all on board with this? Yes.
2: Look, we're not just pencil pushers. We are a reflection of the community. And we believe that we can strengthen that community. Because in the end, the reason why we're all here is to bring people together.
3: That literally is the most moving thing I've ever heard. and <laughs> a good idea.
1: Yeah, right.
2: Excellent. Great. Okay. So, everybody, we're going to party hard for 15 minutes, and we're going to have our first brainstorming session.
1: There you go, Mark. I really, really like that. First of all, what you don't see is the viewers at home. We know you're not viewers, although you may be viewers. Damn it. Okay. I think if they get on Peacock, they could be viewers. Oh, you're right. Okay. Well, what you potential viewers may not have seen here is that while Chris was responding – (laughs) <laughs> he has tears streaming down oh, yeah. his face, which you know you would think seems very sad, but it just cracks you up. It's, it's very so well funny. done. Yeah. Um, the other thing is this is this is Leslie at her best. Yep. I, I love Leslie when she's in this mode. Uh, she's
0: I like she, this Leslie a lot better than the Leslie with her terrible plan at the Bulge. I can tell you that. Oh my gosh! Yeah. She's redeeming herself here.
1: Well, and this is something you brought up before, Alan. She's really the de facto leader. Of yeah. of, the, of the group. I mean, yeah, even, Ron's in the background. I also thought it was a little bit interesting. You know, we've talked about how Ron and Leslie are sometimes on opposite sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, Ron is in full support of what Leslie's doing here. Yeah. It's not always clear where his motivations lie according to what he would do, but I think that he backs her. Well, look, I mean, here's this thing. It
0: could save them budgetarily and give them a mission that's worth doing because while he hates government and is willing to not do a job in order to, I don't know, crush the government, I guess it, you know, this is, you know, getting this back on track and funded by someone else, that's right up his alley.
1: I guess you're right. This is kind of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It is a it? bootstrapping moment. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I get that point. then.
0: Well, you know, I think that's a, that is pretty much the last thing that happens in the main part of the episode, Mark. And then the final scene is our kicker. And uh, you know, it's at April's desk and April and Andy are going to have a little bit of a moment here with Eduardo.
1: (laughs) (laughs) April's desk is completely covered with flowers and she and Eduardo are, are are like standing there by her desk. I think maybe don't know what to make of it. And Andy walks up and uh, says, you know, Hey, those are from me. And he turns to Eduardo uh, and says, look, I like April. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's thinking of Leslie's advice here. He says, I like April. I'm coming after her with everything I've got. Uh, April, will you go out with me? No. <laughs> and I think that takes a little bit off, off uh, kilter for a second. Uh, the, I thought you were going to say yes, but you know what? That's all right. I'm going to ask you again tomorrow and the day after that. And the day after that, I got to go visit my cousin. And then after that, I'm going <laughs> to ask you that day, too. And so he's every day but Friday. He's undeterred. Um, and there was a kind of a funny little thing because Andy clearly doesn't speak Spanish and no. Eduardo says in Spanish to April, what, what does he say? And she says, oh, he's thinking about becoming a woman. Wants my advice? And he's in <laughs> Eduardo and he's a nice guy. He's like, you know what? You should do it. You follow your dream. Yeah. And Andy's like, okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they just have different interpretations of what his dream may or may not be and, and the scene ends with a great final we've missed april because she wasn't in this episode very much yes and she has a classic april mug to yeah, the camera to the right camera. as it leaves then fade to black it's a really good episode
0: all right yeah. mark well that was a great breakdown let's do this let's take a break let's have a word from our sponsor and when we come back we'll score it and we'll go home yep let's do it all right thanks everybody
5: Are you looking for inspirational materials for your office, home, or mathletics clubhouse? How about a collection of clever mnemonics to assist in the study of geometry-inspired life lessons? If by chance you answered yes to one or both of the above, then boy howdy, we've got just what you want. Hello. This is Ron Swanson. Based on years of advanced cognitive research and, brought to you by the same inspired genius behind the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness and its counterpart, the Swanson Yin-Yang of Failure, Behold! The Swanson Geometric Catalog of Life Failures. Now recognized as the Kindle Store's number one course structured on shame-based geometry, the Swanson Geometric Catalog of Life Failures is sure to be unlike any other life aid you have encountered. Here are just a few of the detailed lessons contained in this glorious masterpiece. From volume one, our two-dimensional selections include the circle of cowardice, the semicircle of sadness, the oval of lost opportunities, the triangle of tears and taxation, the rhombus of unrequited reciprocity, the parallelogram of political gridlock, the Hexagon of Heavy-Handedness. I'm talking to you, Leslie Nope, And finally, The Decagon of Deficient Decisions. And, not to be outdone, Volume 2 includes three-dimensional Object Lessons. <laughs> That's a good one. Some of the offerings include The Sphere of Nepotism, The Cylinder of Cynicism, a.k.a. The Ludgate Paradigm, the Cone of Uncontrolled Government Spending, and finally, the Cuboid of False Modesty and its related cousin, the Hexagonal Prism of Hubris. Coming soon, make sure to visit our website to learn about pre-orders for our newest edition, Volume 3, the Swanson Geometric Catalog of Awesomeness, including my personal favorite, the Dodecahedron of Decency, and many, many others. When you place your order, be sure to tell them Ron sent you, and receive our special bonus chapter, the Mobius Strip of Meatless Bacon. It should not exist, but it does. Yeah, ponder that. Thank you. That is all.
0: All right, everybody. Well, we're back. So thanks for hanging in there with us. Thanks for that terrific word from our sponsor. And as always, we appreciate Mr. Swanson being the voice of uh, Live from Pawnee. uh, I'm still not sure how we made that happen, Mark, but it's been a terrific
1: ride so far. Absolutely. We must have done something right in a past life, but you know, here we are. Clearly.
0: Well, Mark, you know, I, I think real quick before we get into the score, let's go through our deleted scenes and our tropes and first and fun facts and then uh, we'll drop our scores. But, you know, as far as deleted scenes, you know, we watch the DVDs when we do this show, just as a reminder. Uh, that lets us do a couple things. One, we can tell you what didn't make it to the cut. Uh, if there's a director's commentary, we'll listen to that as well and make that part of our analysis and we'll try to share anything that's salient from those for you as well, especially if it's funny or interesting. And then, um, you know, and we also... Can Occasionally get little tidbits of knowledge from outside those environments, and we do our best to share those or make them up as we go. Right. Yes. So from a deleted scene perspective this week, we had about six minutes and 30 seconds worth of, of deleted scenes. So a pretty good sized chunk for a normal episode because uh, this was a normal 20 minute, uh, 21, 33 episode, 21 minutes and 33 seconds. And we had 13 deleted scenes and we played one of them. That was the Pyramid of Greatness expanded scene. Um, there are a few others here that are pretty funny. I think, again, like most episodes, you know, uh, they, they kept the good stuff in and they they cut out the stuff that just didn't really advance the funny or the plot all
1: that much. Right. The, the one thing that stood out to me, uh, and there were a few funny things here, but I, I got to admit, you know, I'm a huge fan, of course, of the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. Well, sure. I've been for quite a while and yeah. ev- everybody should be. And if you're not, I quite frankly don't understand you. Um, but one thing I was <sighs> not aware of until I watched these deleted uh, yeah. scenes is there is not only the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, yep. ladies and gentlemen, but there is also, I'm not making this up, if, if you have the opportunity to watch the deleted scenes, there is the Swanson yin-yang of failure. It's <laughs> of course not, there it's, is. It's not nearly as complex as the the Pyramid of Greatness. There is actually two, uh, as per the yin and the yang, yeah, there are course. two elements on it. Yeah. One is salad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Alan. It's Okay. And the other is sharing.
5: <laughs> so maybe it doesn't
1: quite have the impact of this of the pyramid. of uh, No, no. Of but I just thought it was so funny. And it's a, hysterical. Yeah. And there's a graphic out there, too. So if there any is. of you yeah, go, go to the Google's it. Google that, um, Google that, just have a laugh. You
3: know,
0: Mark, the one place that might kind of fall apart, even though it's funny, is I don't think Ron likes either of those things. Sharing or salad, yeah, that's why it's the yin yang of failure, oh a failure, wow, I should pay attention to this. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that part out because I didn't I swear to God, like I did not literally watch deleted scenes until today, and so I had the first day of you know <laughs> I was this many years old today that I found that out
1: a failure. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Thanks, he, everybody. He, Good night. He tore the kid's page out of his notebook and said, This goes in the trash can on account oh, no. of it's on my yin yang of failure. All right. I'm just, I'm just ribbing you.
0: No, it's, <laughs>
1: not, you have every right. <laughs> Good God. Okay.
0: Let's come <clears throat> back from that. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, Mark, you know, outside of the yin-yang of failure, um, <clears throat> I think that's pretty much it in terms of deleted scenes. What did you catch for us on as far as tropes or firsts or fun facts? I had a few here.
1: Well, I, I actually didn't find any goofs or fun facts, or at least I didn't search hard enough. Yeah. Um, the, the main first, not to be repetitive here, but the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, yeah. I, I had as the first. It really is. Um, I, <sighs> I don't think I had any others. Did you have
0: any good other verse? really what we mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, Ben and Chris slash, you know, Adam and Rob are now. Uh, oh Adam. yeah. Uh, uh, um, Scott, Scott, Adam Scott. Yeah. Why did his name not sound right when I said Adam? Um, Ben and Chris, better known as in real life as Adam Scott and Rob Lowe, are now full cast members. And then Jerry and Donna, Jim O'Hare and Retta are now members of the main cast. And this is the first episode where that has happened. That's really rounded out my firsts. Um, As far as tropes, I had a
1: few. How about you? I had three Um, there were actually several occurrences of PBJ punching bag, Jerry. Yeah, I got that. Uh, Leslie alone is pinning in the leg, throwing his coffee cup away. as She walks by him and then looking at him. I'm talking to you, Jerry, with the testicle lump poster. Um, (laughs) we have what I, I love to call BSN. Ben says, no, sorry, everyone. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It just cracks me up every single time and it's not going anywhere. Um, and the other one, this is a lame one, but I'm going to say mouse rat just because of the team, team chant. Oh, very nice. Yeah. All right. What'd you have?
0: The only thing I added to that list, uh, one's questionable, was uh, this one I think is pretty solid, though. Uh, the Bobby Knight, you know, referencing. We oh, started yeah. off season one with the Bobby Knight poster on the wall. That's right. Clearly, Ron is a fan. Uh, not only does he look like Bobby Knight in this episode, but certainly behaves as him while he's coaching basketball. So, yes, that's a, a fun reference. And then, you know, I kind of had like secret agent Ann as something of a trope because I've I got to go research this, but I have this that nagging memory that this is the first of several times that Anne's going to kind of do Leslie's bidding in a way that may or may not turn out for the good of everyone. And I can't for the life of me remember what the other ones I'm thinking of are. But I'll either re- retract this later.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was when they filled in the pit.
0: You're right. That so this is the okay so this has occurred before I didn't dream that
1: I mean it, it wasn't so much that Anne was her secret agent per se as much as Leslie was like we got to do this on the down low and Anne's like yep. I'm in yep I'm your partner yeah maybe that's a better way to look at it you know uh, team Nope right right yeah on the DL
0: <laughs> although here I think Anne was a reluctant player in that uh, those shenanigans
1: right I would yeah, agree for sure.
0: Well, Mark, why don't we give our scores and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up.
1: All right. Well, I'd kind of like to do something a little different in in the past. I've, I've uh, often mentioned something about each of the characters in the show and said a little bit about them. I'm going to go in a little bit different direction this time. We've already talked about the characters uh, quite a bit, but I want to make reference. I've sometimes picked an MVP for an episode and and I want to, I want to kind of continue that. that. So, for this episode, this week's MVP, Chris Traeger, okay. played by the great Rob Lowe. So I love, love, love the scene where Chris is telling Anne about his blood disorder. Yeah. It, it's surprising. It's touching. It's funny. It serves a humanizing ground. Chris, I also love the scene where Anne apologizes to Chris, not only because it, it shows Chris's willingness to forgive Anne, but because Rob Lowe does such a good job of speaking those two words. Ann Perkins and he just lights up like you said yeah. but with a completely different meaning um the writing here for him is brilliant in a couple of sentences or three at least you understand everything about this guy and it takes him from being a potentially silly ridiculous character to one with death mm. um but obviously part of the credit has to go to Rob Lowe Chris portrayed by someone else could very easily be construed as a cartoon but here we see a layer of humanity below the absurdity. So, just w- job well done. Very nice. So that's my MVP. All right. <clears throat> now entering Mark's score. <laughs> so we have. A, I gave it a four point five base score. It's it's fairly high, but I think it deserves it. Um, I thought they had some great stories here. Uh, great job setting up arcs for the season. I'm going to give a half point for the nice pickup from the break. They didn't seem to lose much momentum. So good job there. Yeah. I'm going to give a half point for Amy Poehler for doing a great job with Leslie here. She like seems to be equal parts madcap and moving, but I'm going to take away half point. For Mm -hmm. Leslie throwing Anne under the bus, I don't like that. I I realize that may have been a gaffe, and I'm not trying to criticize the ride. I do not understand that. I did not like it. It It's very un-Leslie-like. I think she should have taken the blame there. So that's my small penalty for her. I would agree with that. I'm going to give a half point for Anne Perkins. Because usually in the past, she's been a kind of bland-ish. But I feel like she kind of came alive a little bit in this episode, and I liked it. So I just thought, well done by Rashida Jones and the writing, of course, um, half point for Swanson Pyramid of Greatness, because duh, um, I'm going to give a half point for Andy's determination not to give up on April. I'm going to give a full point for my MVP, Chris Trager, because I just thought they did such a good job at making his character so interesting and likable and mm. human. It's just a great, great job and by Rob Lowe and writers alike. And I'm finally going to give one more whole point to the entire team uniting together in a very inspiring all or nothing move yeah. regarding the Harvest Festival, complete with the theme to Chariots of Fire. And, Loved it. you know, I think they mentioned this in the deleted scenes too, uh, Alan that Jerry has the most to lose here because he's yeah. like two years away from his getting his pension. Yeah. And I think in the deleted scenes at one point, Leslie's like, are you? Okay. And, and he's like, you know what? I'm kind of scared, but I'm behind you. I mean, that's, that's good stuff. Yeah. So you add all those ridiculous numbers and consider my penalty, blah, blah, blah. You come up with 8.5 little Sebastian. So I, I, I feel like this was such a strong episode. Is it the absolute tip top of the best? Maybe not, but it's so strong and so good. It's clear to me that they haven't lost any momentum or any oomph. They're, they're, they're still flying high with their, with their quality.
0: Well, I think that's a great recap, Mark. And those are terrific points. I I can't disagree with any of them. Um, I I think for me, for this week, um, I floated very, I bounced back and forth between an eight and a half and an eight. Um, Again, I feel like there's enough about Leslie's behavior here. And I know that there were some scenes or, well, there were some episodes in season one and season two where. You know, Leslie wasn't yet the Leslie we wanted her to be. And um, I think here, this is not that. This is, it's a weird dichotomy in that I feel like it's a a very realistic thing that someone like her could have a well intentioned, badly executed idea where she doesn't mean to, but she ends up stepping on a friend, hurting someone else's feelings, um, making it a little too much about her. Um, Mm. and so while that's a very human thing, I don't, you know, we don't want to see our heroes fail and Leslie's one of our heroes. So while I want to take away points for it, it was well-written and well-executed. So I want to give those points back. Mm. So it's a weird kind of thing. And I think that makes me waffle between that eight and a half and the eight. So, um, for me, I came, I gave it an eight and a half as well. I kind of erred on the side of, you know, a positivity like Chris did. Sure. And, uh, inspired by him this week. And um, I think those were some of my favorite scenes where the Ann and Chris scenes, like I said, I've kind of already said my piece about how Ben took the higher ground here on a moral stand front and, uh, you know, kind of taught Leslie a couple of lessons, which I think was apropos. And um, I think by the end, not only did she rally and pull the troops in and get everyone behind her, but she's got, we've got our, our theme for season three. We've got our theme for how the Parks Department is going to pull out of this budgetary nosedive, perhaps, if they execute well. So really all that's left for us to see how well they're going to do with that. So great episode. And uh, to your point, it was a great return after a pretty long break of eight months. Just stunning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like that. I like that. My score is correct. Um, <laughs> I no, knew you would get <clears throat> good, good reasoning as always, uh, Alan. I, I like the way that you put that. I, I think that uh, a lot of times when you introduce a season or when you're starting a show for that matter, you, you can take some valuable time just to set up some arcs that are going to happen and maybe take a little bit away from the oomph of the rest of the show. I think that they walk that line very well here. Yeah, I think that I they did set up the arcs. I think there are still such hugely funny moments. I mean, Pyramid of greatness, Swanson pyramid of greatness. Are you kidding me? Um, and, and enough other. I mean, you know, like I said, the Roblo Chris. I mean, just as you said, it was a very powerful Chris and Anne uh, episode, which I think is rare, just because Anne is usually the straight person. Yeah, you it's know? true. So. Well done. Yeah. And even though Ben's part was a lot
0: smaller than Chris's in this, in terms of his actual screen time and number of lines, I would have have accepted a a nomination for him as a backup MVP here as well. Just because of the, the, again, the way they played it and the role he played in kind of getting Leslie back on track and and calling her out for being off track.
1: Oh, I completely agree. I I think that he is proving to be, in my opinion, a much more effective, I don't even know if I want to say antagonist to, to Leslie, but he, he, I feel like he keeps her in check and calls her bluff, but in a respectful, but firm way in some ways, even better than Ron does because he. he- or certainly than Mark did when Mark played that role. Yes, yes, that's a great point,
0: Mark. Does Ben complete Leslie?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sorry, uh, I had to Jerry Maguire for a brief moment. You had me at ice Town.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I think that I think you're right. I think that uh, that Adam Scott did a great job, and, and I think that ultimately we're going to find, at least in my opinion, I think that that Ben is a very, very deep and interesting character. Yeah, um, that's right. Maybe I would say more so than Chris. But Chris really shined here. Yeah, we we finally got right with Chris this week after wondering a lot about
0: where he was coming from. Ben is a little easier to kind of to judge and follow, I think, in terms of that, his motivations. And he's just he's more to the point. So that makes it a lot easier for sure. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, that was an excellent uh, recap, breakdown, score. I feel like we had a a great episode this week. I'm glad everybody tuned in to listen. We're going to be back next week with season three, episode two, which is one of my favorites. I'll just go on and give away that hint right now. Flu season. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. Oh, me too. (laughs) I can see it in my head already and I'm already (laughs) laughing. (laughs) All right, Mark. Well, I think that does it for us. We will be back next week and we look forward to talking to you then.
1: All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted
3: production of The Creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.